you have for us this morning as far as how to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to you and a fulfilling also, God. So take my words, that God, that they would be your words, that your Holy Spirit would teach us and lead us and guide us. In your son's name, amen. Well, we're on our last Sunday of a series that we entitled Back to the Basics. We've been going through all these basics of the Christian faith throughout the summer. And I got to tell you, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I have gotten so much out of just studying these things and just really going back to the things that are key and important in the Christian faith. Uh, it's been really fun. It's been liberating for me, actually. It's been really neat. But I'm really excited, though, where we're going next. Because what I enjoy doing the most is teaching expositorily verse by verse through books of the Bible. And starting next week, we're going to start on a year and a half long mission to get through the book of Matthew. Now, I say a year and a half because that'll include holidays, some mini little, little breaks we'll take with some little mini uh, series maybe and stuff like that. But we are going to dive into the book of Matthew verse by verse, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us. So I'm really excited to be jumping into that. I would encourage you to go ahead and start reading Matthew to prayerfully look at it, see what the Holy Spirit has for you out of the book of Matthew. Great book with a lot of rich, a lot of kingdom language you'll hear out of that. A lot of that um, Sermon on the Mount, which we've jumped into, is in there. It's just going to be a great time. So I'm looking forward to that. Next week, we will uh, jump into that. So this morning, we're finishing up on our Back to the Basics, but this morning, we're going to look at the importance of balance with work and rest. The importance of balancing work and rest. And also what you were thinking, some of you were thinking, I do that well. Others of you thinking, oh, thank goodness, I need to hear what God has to say about balancing work and rest. Now, I, I want to give you a little disclaimer, though, before we get too far into this. These two topics that we're going to talk about are huge. They could be a series in, the, in and of themselves. So we're going to kind of take, just this morning, it's, it's going to be a flyover, really high aerial view of, of God's view and what he says is our, should be our view and perspective on our work and on rest, okay? So you're probably going to leave with a lot of questions, and that's okay. That's good. Like I said, we're just going to hit, skim over that as we talk about the basics. So the truth is, though, that I think that so often we find ourselves with consumed uh, with the need to earn a paycheck, with the need to earn, to make the money, to care for our kids, to care for maybe for aging parents, uh, and all the responsibilities that we find ourselves having to do. And I think a lot of times, if you're anything like me, we just find ourselves really stretched thin in every single way of our, any, any type of our life, mentally, emotionally, physically, in all those, in all those areas. You know, conversely, studies show that when we lack rest, we suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And some of you are nodding your head because you know you've been there. I have been there as well. The truth is that God designed us to find meaning and purpose in both our work and in our rest. So the question is, how do we make the most out of work and rest in such a way that we're able to live physically and emotionally and spiritually fulfilled lives. How do we go about doing that? Because it's not just going to happen naturally. It doesn't just happen. Life gets in the way. So what I want to do, first I want to look at work. Let's first look and see what God has to say about work. Work really is anything a person does in order to produce or accomplish something or to have an effect or an influence. 
So obviously, that's a really broad thing. So we're not just talking about those of you that go and punch a clock or time in. It's all these things, okay? We produce or accomplish or have an effect or an influence. And it's important that we understand the biblical standpoint where the Bible comes from when it talks about uh, work. He says we are made and we are designed to work. We're designed and made to provide for our daily needs and for our families and for all sorts of other people. That's what we're for. That's what, how he made us. And the real, reality is God originally designed man, mankind, to derive a real sense of meaning and purpose from work. That's how we were designed, to find meaning and purpose in that. So that begs a question. Why then does work like so often seem like a pain? <laughs> Why is work hard? Why is work difficult sometimes? Why sometimes is it not as fulfilling as we would like it to be? Well, the truth is it all points back to the fall of humanity. It all points there. The fall of humanity is where all aspects of creation, whoa, were impacted. Everything was impacted by the fall of, of humanity in the garden, including work, including our work. Let's take a look at how that happened. We're going to see exactly how that happened. So turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, and we're, first, we're going to look, spend most of our time bouncing around in Genesis. So Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says this, and to Adam he, God said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat and plant of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Happy words. Difficult words, actually. We see here that because of Adam's disobedience, work became difficult. It became distorted. It became disillusioning. That's not the way it was designed. Now, it's not work that has been cursed. Remember, it was the ground that was cursed. For Adam, and really every generation that to follow, will find it difficult to fully enjoy the productivity of our labor. That's what that curse is about, to fully just get all of our joy from that. For some people, they find it difficult being satisfied with what they do because really all of their self-worth and all of their identity is wrapped up in what they do. That's where they get their sense of identity, so it's a, it's a chore all the time. For others, there is this ever-present stress of making ends meet, and work really just becomes a necessary evil, a means to an end, where there's no sense being able to derive any sense of purpose or meaning from that. For others, they find themselves in what seems to be a boring or a tedious job that provides little or no motivation or enjoyment whatsoever. And lastly, I think that there's still, for others, people that enjoy their job, they truly do enjoy their job, but the high demand of their job continually causes their life to be out of balance because they're always thinking about their job, always working. They, they can't turn it off. Anybody relate there? <laughs> I can sure relate there. 
So there's this constant tension and life gets out of balance. These are all results of sin entering into the world. It's, it's it distorted our view of work. So what should it be then? What should our view of work be? How should we make sense of work? Listen to the conclusion. I think it's really interesting that King Solomon, King Solomon thousands of years ago came to this eventually, he eventually, it, it took him a while, but he eventually came to terms this term is how to view work, how it should be seen. Look what he, this is what he says. He says, I perceive that there's nothing better for them, that's us, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Isn't that amazing? That, that's just amazing when, when he's saying, Enjoy. We're supposed to enjoy the fruits of our labor, enjoy our jobs, enjoy what we, our work, because it's a gift. I know you're, we're shaking our heads sometimes and go, what the heck? You see, Solomon understood. He understood the fact that work will never be like it's supposed to be before the fall. It never will be. But in the meantime, work can be a noble and fulfilling expression of people that are created in God's image. It can be, no matter what we do. And we know this because God actually affirms the importance of work in Scripture. He affirms it. With this, we first see that God is a worker. We see in Scripture that He is a worker. Look at the very first verse in the Bible. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first glimpse we get of God at all in the Bible, he's working. He's doing something. He's creating. That's the first thing we see from him. Now, as I've mentioned in the past, how he created, how long it took him to create, all that, that's a matter of debate. Even amongst Christians, that's all up for, up for grabs. But the key really is not how, but who. Never lose sight of that when you get into a bait or a talk with someone about creation, evolution, and things like that. That's not the point. The point isn't to prove whether God created the world in seven, 24-hour. That, that's not the point. The point is, it's God. That's where the focus needs to be, on who created. Look also at Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 says, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So we see here that God affirms the importance of work by being a worker himself. He it, it was a worker. And we as his image bearers, really we bear that same DNA as workers as well. We are created in God's image. And that means in his likeness. So if God was a worker, we're to be a worker too. That's part of who we are. What we also get from this verse, though, is we get our first glimpse of the rhythm that's supposed to be there between work and rest. I hope you see that in this verse. There's a rhythm, and we're going to look at that. God really has a design for work and for rest, and there's a rhythm to it. Because Scripture also affirms that God is continuing to work. It's not like he just done there and God has stepped back and now is not doing anything. You can read a lot about that. Read about deism, things like that, that says that God got it all going and now he just stepped back and says, you're on your own. We don't believe that. 
We don't believe that's what scripture says. Look at verse John, in John chapter five, verse 17, Jesus says, my father is working until now. I think Jesus would know what his dad is doing. He's saying, my father is working until now, and I am working. I love this verse and these verses in Psalm. Look at these verses. I was considering not putting them in here, but I just think they're just such a great picture of Psalm 104 says this. You make the springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. God is working, and he's working for us in many ways, on our behalf, and it's an amazing thing. He's always working. It's who he is but it's also a part of who we are. God designed man, mankind, to work. Look in Genesis chapter 2, back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, we see from the very outset that man had a job. From the very beginning, God points to a job that man had. He says, the Lord took Adam, took the man, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To work and keep the garden, it meant that mankind was given the task of caring for the garden and protecting creation. So he had a job right out of the chute. And this wording here really denotes that God literally plucked and placed man into this setting. That The wording here, it's hard for us to understand the Hebrew wording, but what is the, it said, what did the essence of what he's saying is he took man and he put him in a place that is a real sense of peace and security to do this work that is literally a joy for him to do and where he will find fulfillment. It wouldn't be a difficult chore. All right, I got to go round up those dang horses. Or is that what I want to call them? Yeah. We want to round up those horses. And it wasn't a chore at all. It was a joy to take care of the the earth. Genesis again, chapter 1. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, And then God said, Let us, here we go again, make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now you're thinking, listen, I'm not a farmer. A little bit. I'm not a farmer. I don't do all this. What What does this mean? Well, we see that God, that man was created to rule over the earth. Now this was, but this was out of compassion. Rule over the earth out of compassion and not to be exploitive whatsoever. And I want you to hear this. Just as Adam's work assignment was to partner with God in maintaining and managing a place for all creation to flourish, including man, so too are we to see our work, what we do, as partnering with God, 
okay? We are partnering with God in sustaining God's creation by providing food, by providing services, by providing shelter, by, by being in the tech world, by being, uh, working at the grocery store. We are helping, we are coming alongside, work, working with God to help maintain all the world and to serve it. What's that? Taking care of the rabbits, exactly. All the things, all the things that we're, we can do to, that God has called us to be. All the things that really create, listen, here's what I want you to get ahead. All the things that create, that help cre- creation to flourish, anything that helps it to flourish, we're partnering with God in that. Now, obviously, it looks a lot different than the garden because it was very agrarian, very, you know, they were doing just the plants and the animal stuff. But look at how, that doesn't mean that things have changed. We've just progressed a lot. There's technology and all that stuff now. Do you know God uses technology? You're thankful for that, I know. (laughs) He does. And he uses that as a part, as coming along. When we are involved in things like technology or working at a hospital or whatever, whatever, insurance, whatever we do, we are partnering with God. I hope that makes sense to you because we're helping the world flourish Man, that's, that's, a good, that's good news. This gives us a sense of meaning and purpose, knowing that what we do, our work matters to God, no, what, no matter what our occupation is. Even if we're retired, cop, even if we're retired, what we do matters to God. That's why unemployment, losing a job, that's why it's so difficult We were meant to work. We were meant to partner with God in helping the earth flourish. And when we lose our jobs, we lose so much, especially if our jobs, our sense of identity is there. But just the basic fact is that we were meant to work. That's why it hurts so much. And that's why it's so difficult. What this means is that whatever it is that we put our hand to, we put our mind to in order to produce or accomplish or to have an effect or to have an influence, I mean, stay-at-home moms, wow, big one there. It needs to be done as God's representative on earth. Everything you think about your job, you are doing that as God's representative on earth. The fall of mankind did not change that. That's still the fact. It just made it so much harder to grasp it and so much harder to realize that. Why don't you look over at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 Colossians chapter 3, 23 says this. Many of you are familiar with this verse. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is so helpful. This is so helpful, especially for those who have what they would think is a menial or less than important job. I'm not having any impact. I'm, you know, I'm a widget guy and I'm not doing, what, what's, where, where's the importance here? See, we don't do our work for man. I know you got a boss. I know you got you to fulfill certain, certain requirements. But as those that are image bearers of God, we do not ultimately work for man. We work for God. We do. And the Lord loves to reward us for that. We don't work for men, that our inheritance, look what this, in that verse it says, our inheritance, our reward, or if you want to say, our compensation, as it were, 
for working for the Lord. It look, I love it. It's a joy. It's a joy in the Lord. It's a joy that comes from knowing I am doing what I'm supposed to do. Do I love it today? No. But I'm doing what I'm designed to do. I mean, how many of us can relate to having those jobs that we've had to have those in-between jobs? You know, because we needed to make money, we needed to do something, and we've had a job that I hate this, but I've just got to do this. We're still to do that job as unto the Lord, as of working for God, because we're still a part of that whole process of helping creation to flourish. Man, I've packed rolled in gold pretzels, I've bottled medicine, I've had jobs where I had to taste test and smell test and things that I had to do to get through. And it was a chore, but I had to go there realizing, you know what, I am partnering with God. I'm, this is my job. I'm partnering with him in this. So you see, our work, whether we're farmers, computer programmers, doctors, electricians, stay-at-home moms, students, or pastors, it has purpose because it's for the Lord. And working for the Lord should really give us a whole different perspective and motivation for getting up on Monday morning. It really should. It's difficult. Does that make sense? That makes sense? All right, that's work. Okay, we hit, like I said, there's a whole lot more that can be said about work. That's all I'm saying about work. Okay? Your work matters to God. Let's look at, so let's look at, um, let's make how, how do you make sense out of rest? Because the two really do go together very well. We're going to see that. How do we go about making the most of our rest so that we can be physically and mentally and emotionally fulfilled as we live our lives? The answer really is found back in Genesis. Again, let's look at Genesis. Back in verse 3, it says this, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because in it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we see that after six days of work creating the universe, God did what? He rested. He stopped. Now, it's not saying God didn't rest because he's like, man, I'm tired. God wasn't tired from work. Yeah, we know that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. The Bible says he literally spoke creation into existence. I love what Psalm 33, 6 says. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because he was done. He was done. He wanted to be able to sit on the seventh day. He wanted to stop and look at what he had done. You see, the seventh day is, I think a lot of times we look at the creation account and we go, wow, look at those six days. Oh, there's a seventh, he just kicked back and did nothing. No, the seventh day is a, whatever the seventh day means here, it is a vital piece. It's a vital part of the creation account. Now, the word rest here, the word rest, here's literally the word Sabbath. That's the word here, which means, here's what Sabbath means. It means to Cease, desist, stop, no more, done. That's what it means. So what God is doing by resting, he's actually modeling for us a balanced existence and a balanced way to live our lives. Remember that each day of creation, he always said the end, each day of creation, what does he say when he was done at the end of each day? What does he say? That was good. 
That is really good. What does he say, though, about the seventh day? It's very interesting. Only the seventh day, only the seventh day does he bless it and make it holy, okay? What that means is God, on the seventh day, he, decided, he said this day is going to be set apart from everything else. This is a sacred, hallowed day, completely different than the others. This is, this is important, important day. It's set apart. Later on in the book of Exodus, after God had brought the uh, Israelites, out of Israelites out of slavery from Egypt, he gives the Ten Commandments, and one of them, the fourth commandment, has to do with rest. What he says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, he says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we hear, see here in Genesis, here and in Genesis, that God set the Sabbath day apart as holy or distinct or sacred, not only for himself, but for us as well. You know, I believe that this is really one of the areas that we as Western Christians really have missed the boat. I think we've really missed it in this area, and we've paid dearly for ignoring the idea of Sabbath. And we've paid for it emotionally, mentally, physically. How often have we heard the word burnout? How often have we heard that word coming out of our own mouths? Tired, exhausted, burned out. We hear it all the time, and I really believe it has to do with the fact that we have ignored a very important principle and actually a command by God to observe the Sabbath and make it holy. You see, at its very core, very core, Sabbath is about trust. It's about trust. Are we willing to cease and desist from our work and trust that what isn't done, that, that with what that isn't done, that God is going to take care of things? Can we trust God with what isn't done so that we can experience the physical, emotional, and the mental balance that God intended us to have? That is so hard, isn't it? So hard to say, I'm done. I'm going to trust the Lord with this. I'm just going to have to trust him. Can we trust? Can we trust that when we're obedient to what God asks us to do, that he will take care of us? He will meet our needs. I mean, the same goes for all sorts of other things. Financially, it goes for giving. Can I trust? Can I give sacrificially of my money and trust that God is going to meet my needs because I feel like he's asking me to give this and on paper, it doesn't work. That's how God works. It's an amazing thing. And that's what he's saying here about rest. See, here's the thing. Sabbath is for us. It is for us. It's for our good. Not only so that we can learn to trust God with everything that we do in our lives, but also that we can, so we can live balanced lives. And we can keep the most important things in our life in tip-top working shape, mentally, physically, all these things, our families, all these things. 
Look what Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 2, verse 26. Jesus himself said, the Sabbath was made for who? Man. No, Sabbath. See, the Sabbath was not made for, okay, I'm giving you this law because I want you to take a Sabbath for my sake. I want you to stop for my sake because I just want to lay more rules out on you. More to do, to do, to do. Not at all. Sabbath is for us. Not, we're not made for the, for the Sabbath. We're not made to keep some rule. Keeping a Sabbath isn't about keeping this strict rule about the seventh day. Okay, I have to do this because the Bible says I have to do it. It's meant to be a time for us to, and I, I wrote a couple key things up on this from this statement, so I'm going to say here. It's meant to be a time for us to set aside, to stop our work and rest in order to step back and purposely, don't forget this part, to purposely reflect on God and who he is and the incredible privilege of being created in his image. It's making the seventh day holy. What it means is God's, it, what, the, what this really means, is it's God's gracious invitation to us to enjoy intimate communion with him. And to delight in him and to delight in his creation. And just because we're not living any longer under the Old Testament law doesn't mean that observing the Sabbath is no longer vital and a holy thing. We can't go there. Oh, that's the old law. All those things we don't have to do today. I'm free in Christ now to work my brains out. What? That's the American way, ain't it? <laughs> it really is. I had a couple quotes here. Listen to what John Piper has to say. He says, that, he says that God in effect is saying by setting the Sabbath apart, he's saying this, let my highest creature, let's listen to this and absorb these words. Let my highest creature, the one in my image, stop every seven days and commemorate with me the fact that I am the creator who has done all this. Let him stop working and focus on me that I am the source of all that he has. I am the fountain of blessing. I have made the very hands and mind with which he works. Let one day out of seven, dem seven demonstrate that all land and all animals and all raw materials and all breath and strength and thought and emotion and everything comes from me. Let man look to me in leisure one day out of seven for the blessing that is so elusive in the affairs of this world. Isn't that so good? So good. I had another, another quote. I read an article um, from, they're called the, the Theology of Work Project. These people are called the Theology of Work. And he says this, human beings need a rhythm of work and rest in order to live up to their God-given potential. Just as God gives people important work to do, God also asks people to rest periodically from their labor. Work gives each individual the opportunity to partner with God in the goals for creation, while rest lets the person enter into communion with God in enjoyment of creation. Ideally, all people would work and rest in comfortable alternation, leaving humanity physically Healthily, healthy, healthy, mentally stimulated, and spiritually fulfilled. See, the Sabbath was meant to be this thing that just, it's not something, oh, I'm going to try to observe the Sabbath every once in a while. 
Well, I know that's important, so I'm going to, after, after this month of just insanity at work, I'll get to Sabbath. That's not what he's saying here. It's this alternation. It's supposed to be part of our regular work and life cycle. Remember, the Sabbath is for us. But God, you don't understand. I won't get things done. I, no, I know better. <laughs> I want you to be healthy and whole. Sabbath, you need Sabbath. There's the old Puritan saying that says, good Sabbaths make good Christians. It's so true, so true. So how do we do this? How does Sabbath look practical in 2017, 2017? How do we make it, the whole idea of Sabbath with all that we got going on look practical? I'm sure some of you are thinking about your schedule as I've been talking, and you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, I, that's virtually impossible. I got kids, I got this. I, how in the world can I possibly take a full 24 hours to stop work and enjoy the time and devote it to the things that deepen my relationship with God? How is that possible. Actually, for some people, just the thought of not doing something makes you want to just come out of your skin. That's hard for a lot of people. Have to be doing something all the time. The reality is practicing Sabbath is not easy. It is not easy, and it truly takes discipline. It does. A friend of mine said, God made the Sabbath holy. We need to keep it holy. It's going to be a lot of work to do it, but God wants to help us with that. Bottom line is, here's, here's what I want you to know. When thinking about how to go about doing Sabbath, we really need to be thinking in terms of things that will refresh us mentally they will, and emotionally, and they'll refresh us spiritually, they'll refresh us physically. Get this, so that we can be fully ready to serve Him those next six days. That's how he designed it. Now, Sabbath wasn't meant to, he didn't say, I want to have you to Sabbath so your work can be more effective. He said, I want you to Sabbath so your life is in balance. So life is all in balance. Let's fin I want to finish up our time here just giving just a few suggestions. Like Once again, this whole idea of, of Sabbath, huh, it's a huge topic. We can spend a whole series talking about Sabbath and how to do it, what it's for and all that. But I just want to give you, in our last few minutes here, just a few suggestions, okay? First thing, right out of the chute, obvious, stop <laughs> working, <laughs> okay? That's the first one. Stop working. And this is so difficult, I know it is for me to stop working, especially with all our modern technologies. I mean, we are connected to work so much and less rested than ever before. A 2014, uh, in the 2014, The Economist magazine reported that 60, this is three years ago, they reported that 60% of people who use a smartphone are connected to their offices for 13.5 hours a day or more. 13.5 hours a day or more. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. Let me encourage you that when, you, when, when work comes to your mind, do your best to tell yourself, I will get to it tomorrow. Remember, it's trusting. I will get to it tomorrow. This is my Sabbath. Whatever chores aren't done, whatever piles of laundry, mom or dad 
or piling up. But when your Sabbath rolls around, do your best to say, I'm going to put those things aside, even though, man, if I get to these things now, my, work will, my week will be a lot easier, and I can see how things will fall in place. God's going, okay, you're thinking, you're thinking in the flesh again. That's not how this works. Trust me. Trust me on this, okay? Get to it tomorrow. Whatever chores aren't done. Unless, my wife brought this up to me, unless it's a chore that just brings you utter delight. She, my wife loves, what is it, making the bed? She loves. <laughs> the most worthless chore in the world. We're just going to get back in that thing. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, man. She'll say in the morning, help me make the bed. <sighs> um, <laughs> and find those 12 pillows, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, it delights my wife to clean the sheets and put on and do that. That's not work then for her. It's a chore, but it's a chore that brings her delight and it makes her feel good. Not because, oh, now it's done, but because it just, it, she enjoys that. So once again, this isn't rigid. This isn't crazy rigid rules, okay? It's about balance and refreshment. One of the benefits of learning to do this is what happens is when we put things off and we say, I'll do this tomorrow, what it reminds us that God is more important than the work I do. That's so important for us. We need to be reminded that God is way more important than my accomplishments, than getting things done, than getting through the to-do list. And sometimes the only way we're going to be able to know that and really live that is to be able to say, no. I'm not going to do that now and let it go. I know some of you are going, <laughs> right now. That's why it's a habit. It's a difficult thing. It's something that you need to work on. Okay, second thing, refresh yourself mentally and physically. If you sit at a desk all day, all week long, you're going to need some exercise. I mean, that's granted throughout the week, but spend your, so you can spend your Sabbath getting some exercise, you know, getting out there, riding bikes, do all those things. If you use a lot of energy during the week, nap. I love Naps are like one of my, you love the bed, making the bed. I love getting in it to nap, okay? That's just, that's just, that's just the reality of it. You know, I'd way rather nap in it than make it any day, okay? I don't care what's unfluffed and puffed and whatever. Um, I exert a lot of energy. I exert a lot of study time and people time throughout the week. Man, my, week, my, my Sabbath comes, I, I want to crash. I need that relaxation. So you got to figure out what works for you. If you're an introvert, you're probably going to need some alone time. If you're an extrovert, you're going to need that quality time with people. So just know yourself. That's important. Okay, third thing. In your rest, this is so important, turn your attention to God, okay? In your rest, turn your attention to God. Remember, the key to Sabbath isn't just rest. The key to Sabbath, okay, it's my Sabbath day. Uh, you know, that's, that, that can be part of it, but that's not the, that's not the idea. Rather, it's, it's that in our rest, we turn our attention to God, whose Sabbath we are trying to mirror. We are mirroring God's Sabbath. So we turn to him in our Sabbath. If Sunday is your Sabbath, which for most people, Sunday is their Sabbath, make coming to church, being, I mean, fully participating a priority. By the way, those are two different things. Being here and fully participating, those are two different things. Very important things. Worship the Lord. 
Lean into the time. Lean into what the Spirit might have for you. Enjoy that. Just soak in what happens here. Because I've told you this before. I believe this. I believe that the Holy Spirit does things differently and uniquely on Sunday that he doesn't do. Not that he can't, but that he just does when, the same, when we gather together like this and we break open the word and when we do communion sometimes and when we worship so fully engage if this is your Sabbath, even if it's not your Sabbath. Enjoy that. Take time throughout the day to marvel at God's majesty and the scenery you see on your walker and hike. And you know, Pacificans, we have no excuse here. None whatsoever. We are, or you guys over on the other side. We have no excuse to, but to take a, t- a day and just go, whoa, and spend some time marveling at, oh my goodness, God's creation. God, you are so good. What, I can't believe what I see here. Not to get to the point where, oh, the ocean again. It's amazing. And we can do that during the week, but when we have a day where we're not cluttered with all that other stuff, God, you're amazing. What do I gotta do now? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that phone call. No, God, what, you're amazing. And we just drink it in. God does some amazing things in our life with that. Take some time to reflect on God's goodness. I can do that best when I listen to worship music. That helps me out so much just to reflect. Like I can do that all, every day of the week, and I do it most days of the week. But on a day when everything is set aside, worship music, I feel like I'm taking a bath in it. Just kind of soaking in it. I listen to those words. I cry. I, I, whatever. It just, oh, because I don't have to get back to something. My day is full of that, that, okay? Last thing, say no to whatever will take away from your Sabbath. Say no. Ask yourself if what you are doing or what you are planning to do will leave you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually fulfilled. This means we're gonna probably have to plan ahead. Most likely we're gonna need to plan ahead, especially when you got a baby, Especially, how hard is Sabbath at your household? That's hard. Yeah, you got, yeah, it's hard. It is really, really hard. And that's why this isn't meant to be a guilt thing. Like, come on, moms, you know. No way, that's probably the hardest time in life. But that doesn't mean we can't do it. That doesn't mean it's not possible. We just gotta get way more creative. The bottom line is to do what you, but feel you need to do to get the most out of your Sabbath. For me, my Sabbath is on Monday. I work six days a week, half day, pretty much at least half a day on Saturday, finishing up sermon and prep and all that. And then Sunday, usually either meetings or something else going on. So I work six days a week, pretty much. So I know for me, I have to Sabbath on Monday, that, has, that, that is the day that I do what everything I can to be restful and do something that helps me reflect on God's goodness and his grace. And I have to work, I have to work at it. Do I succeed every week? Nope, be honest with you, I don't. I just don't. Sometimes life just doesn't work out like I've planned it. But I know that that, not, that needs to not be the norm. The norm needs to be that I can figure out how to make sure I get some time to stop my work. Oh, that's so hard for me with a smartphone, computer. I can just answer that email. And those of you who've gotten emails and texts from me on Monday, most of you people, you have, you know, do that. I'm sorry. That's, it's hard. And I'm working on it because I know how important, important it is. In regards to keeping good rhythm and balance, 
with our work and with our rest. We need to do all that we can, you guys, to keep holy what God has said to keep holy. God has said to keep it separate, keep it important. Not because it's a rule to follow, okay, God will be happy with me. No, so that we can live the lives that he intended us to have. Remember, God designed us to find meaning and purpose in our work and in our rest. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for just how much, once again, in your words, you show us how much you love us, you care for us, that you're not about just keeping rules and trying to be good to earn your favor, not at all. You love us right where we're at, warts and all, mistakes and all. Thank you that we don't have to measure up, especially in this area of Sabbath. We don't have to perform for you. But God, we desire as your people to learn how to better Sabbath, to take the time to enjoy you, to reflect on you and your goodness and your amazing beauty, your power and your forgiveness. We're so thankful, God. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.